CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. We are live at the NASDAQ market side on really what has been a crazy day and a crazy week. Crazy day not only for the weather, but also for the stock market. And the guys are getting ready behind us here. So here's what's coming up on the show. Boeing shares have been unstoppable this year. But a brewing trade war and scary-looking chart could have the Dow stock grounded. We'll explain. Plus, the words Netflix investors hope to hear this weekend? We'll tell you what Oscar Gold could mean for Netflix's surging stock. And how would you like to make money if Apple shares go up, down, or nowhere at all? We'll teach you how to do just that using options. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. But anyway, let's get to it, because it was another wild week for the markets. The Dow dropping 3%. More than half the index is now in a correction. And even the hottest Dow stock over the last year is beginning to show a couple of signs of cracking. Boeing falling more than 7% from its high on Wednesday. This stock has been seemingly untouchable and just an unstoppable moneymaker for the past year. Carter Worth, you say the air might be coming out of Boeing longer term. Break it down for us. Well, in the sense that at some point, if selling continues, it spills over into almost all stocks. Uh, we've seen certain tech names that are impervious finally coming under pressure, and Boeing's no different. Um, let's start with the industrials. This is the XLI. It's obviously a very liquid ETF. You can trade essentially all S&P 500 industrial stocks. And what we know, of course, is that it's been on a beautiful trend line. But the issue here and now is, is that if you do revisit a line and start to bounce, you shouldn't come back to it this quickly. You should go on and make a new high. So the real risk is, is that we're setting up something of a minor head and shoulders top with a prospective break to new lows. But let's, let's zero in on, of course, this big fella um, in terms of relative performance. It's really the most important thing. What we know is a major sector in the market. It has been going straight up for the better part of 12, 15 months, and it has made exactly no progress relative to the S&P. And adjusted for beta or risk, it's a negative alpha proposition, has been. Um, moving on. Here we have Boeing versus the industrial ETF XLI. Obviously, a massive outperformer. Now let's look at Boeing going back to 02. One of the principles of trend work is, is that when you're in uptrend, you will check back, check back, check back to trend. Just as when you're in a downtrend, often you will throw back, throw back, throw back to trend. We have now gone longer than any point in the history of the data for Boeing without a check back to trend. I want to make the bet that this current 7% plus minus sell-off is the beginning of something more. Here is the current two-year chart. I think we're coming back to the 100-day moving average. That would imply as much as 7 to 8% down from here. I'm a seller of Boeing. I've been an unbelievable stock. All right, Carter, we'll see you here in just one second here. Mike, how are you trading Boeing? Yeah, so, you know, Boeing's an interesting case because I, I really like the company a great deal. And obviously, fundamentally, the story is, is pretty strong, except for one thing, and that's valuations. 
Right now, the company is probably trading at about a 20% premium to its historical averages. And if you think about the fact that the market is looking a little bit shaky here, you want to worry a little bit about the stocks that are trading at heady valuations, and Boeing is one of those. Also, fairly expensive right now are options on stocks like Boeing. So we are going to look to a spread specifically. I was looking at the May 335, 290 put spread. You could spend $19.75 for the 335 puts when I was looking at it. Sell the 290s against it for 630. That's going to mitigate some of the effects of decay. And obviously, we're you know taking a look in this particular instance at a fairly sharp pullback, maybe more than we would normally target in this kind of time frame, rather than more like 10% is kind of what I'm thinking in that time frame. Yeah, so you know, one of the things that's interesting that you chose Boeing, we talked about like Amazon earlier in the week, some of these prior market leaders that had these parabolic runs over the last few months. And this was one of the first names to actually make a new high, you know, before the market has, obviously. I think in the last segment, you were just talking about the S&P still down 6% from those prior highs. But at some point, this volatility band, in my opinion, is something to be traded, especially as option prices have come in since, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And I think where they're targeting and giving themselves a couple months to do it uh, makes a a lot of sense. But let's be clear, you're choosing one of the, 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 the toughest and the strongest stocks in the market and universally love. But that's also one reason why I think it could end up working if we go back and retest those February 9th lows. Right. I mean, going after a strong stock is dangerous because strong stocks are strong for a reason. And yet when strong stocks come apart, they come apart more than almost anything. Look at McDonald's recently. That's been one of the best performing Dow type stocks. Yeah, what, too. By the way, what happened to that? I was just bringing it up on Fast Money. It's I mean, down just 9 percent. Just this a week. beating today with a gap. I don't even know what the news is, but I'm not really in the news business. I'm in the gap and drop business. It doesn't look good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it looks like a spilled bag of yes. burgers yes. out there. It was not a good day. All right, guys. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk more about McDonald's maybe at, 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 at some point. Anybody sure. with a final word on Boeing? No, I mean, look, this is one of those situations where you can have a good stock but a bad stock price and in bad stock price action. And I think we have those two things to consider. And right now, actually, even though options prices are slightly elevated, you're getting the movement that justifies them. Okay. Moving on now to a brighter spot in the markets today, and that is the smaller cap names. The Russell 2000 rallying nearly 2%. Perhaps this group viewed as a relative safe haven trade in any kind of a trade war because most smaller companies do about 100% of their sales right here in America. Stocks like Dillard's, Del Frisco's Steakhouse, Noodles and Company and AMC soaring. But, Dan, you think the group could run into a bit of trouble coming up? What do you see? Yeah, it's kind of what we were talking about just a little bit with Boeing, too. Right now, on this week, you know, the S&P was down, what, 2%. The small caps, the IWM, the ETF, the tracks, the Russell 2000 was only down a percent. Had a huge reversal today. Had a good reversal yesterday. So showing really good relative outperformance. But here's the thing. There's a lot of things going on right now to figure out how the tax cuts from December affect a lot of domestic companies, how raising interest rates do, how strong commodity prices do, how a weak dollar does now throw the prospect of a looming trade war. I don't know personally, okay? But the fact that it's being viewed defensively right now, the IWM for all intents and purposes, leads me to believe if we are going to retest the February 9th lows, which I believe they would do, that you want to actually take shots at something like the IWM in particular. So I have a five-year chart here, and if you look at this thing, I kind of worked on the trend lines with my main man over here, Carter. Um, when you look at this thing, it really did violate that uptrend that's been in place from the early 2016 
seen double bottom low here. You know, I think you could probably target a move back towards 140 over the next couple months. So how I'm trading this here, I'm looking at the uh, April expiration today when the stock was trading at 152. You could buy the April 150, 140 put spread, paying $2 for that, buying one of the April 150 puts for 335, selling one of the April 140 puts at 135. It costs you two bucks. It breaks even down at 148. That's down four bucks from here. Um, but you can make up to eight down to 140. That may be a little aggressive here, but I wanted to sell that downside put just to kind of even up uh, a scenario where I'm risking two to possibly uh, make eight. I, mean, I think the market to some extent is wise because the market knows that the trade wars don't have anything to do with small domestic right. companies. Also, we know that the weighting in the Russell is very heavy in financials relative to the S&P, and financials with the rate environment have held up well. So to some extent, I think the outperformance of late maybe is, is a wise thing on the part of uh, investors. I think your broader point is, though, that if all equities are getting under more pressure, this too will ultimately succeed. Yeah, I think that's really the issue. And, you know, with respect to taking a look, $2 for a $10 wide put spread, paying four to one, we like that relationship a lot. You know, one of the other things is that when people are concerned, they start buying some of those wing puts. You get bid, we call that skew in the options market, and that's the reason that you want to buy the at-the-money put and sell the out-of-the-money one. So I, I like the structure a lot. And, you know, we've certainly demonstrated we can get the kind of movement that would... What would that skew symbolize to you? I mean, it's basically the cost of insurance. And more specifically, it is the cost of a sharp downward move. So when people are buying way out of the money puts, what they're really buying is crash protection. Yeah, and we haven't seen a whole heck of that, a lot of that until recently. And so now we're in a little bit of a new volatility regime. We're seeing things move around a lot. If you guys like to look at charts of implied volatility, which is the price of options of an underlying, what you're seeing right now is the realized volatility, how much the underlying has been moving. It's higher than the options price right now. So to me, when I'm thinking about doing long premium directional trades, that's an attractive setup. And that's why I like the idea of buying a 150, 140, giving myself six or seven weeks, okay, to have this thing play out. I like the risk reward. I'm literally risking what one and a half, almost, you know, 2% or something like that of the stock price. If I get it right and it goes back to the Fed nine lows, this is going to be a great way to, tra uh, to trade it. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Well, for more options action, you can head to our website or sign up for our newsletter. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on the program. How would you like to make money if Apple shares go up, down, or nowhere at all? It's actually one of the simplest options trades around. We'll teach you how to do it. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. All right, welcome back to Options Action, and happy Friday. Netflix hitting the red carpet at the 90th annual Oscars this weekend. And by the way, the stock hitting an all-time high today. For more on both, let's go to Julia Borston out in Los Angeles. Julia. Hey, Brian. Well, the red carpet is now covered with white plastic to protect it from the rain that's, that's overhead right now. And there's also an Oscar over there that's in a trash bag. But by Sunday, the red carpet will be prepped, and it will be a big day for Netflix. And it has eight nominations compared to just three last year. And four of Netflix's nominations are for Mudbound, Best Supporting Actress, Song, Adapted Screenplay, and Cinematography. That's broad acclaim for a movie that Netflix bought at Sundance, showing that it's figured out how to break into Hollywood's most elite ranks. The Academy seems to get over its resistance to Netflix's plan to crack the studio's business model. Namely, Netflix wants to release movies in theaters on the same day 
that they released on Netflix. Now, Netflix was also nominated for two documentaries, Icarus and Strong Island, as well as foreign language film on Body and Soul and a short documentary called Heroin. Now, Netflix's rival Amazon drew only one nomination this year for the best original screenplay for Big Sick. This after last year, Amazon had seven nominations and three wins, two for Manchester by the Sea and one for foreign language film, The Salesman, Amazon distributed here in the U.S. Now, the new Oscars attention to Netflix could help it lure filmmakers who want reassurance that Netflix can help them earn traditional Hollywood acclaim as well as global reach. Now, Netflix said in its last earnings that it will spend as much as $8 billion on content this year with the goal of having Half of that content being original. That investment in content seems to be paying off with faster than expected subscriber growth and a stock that's up 115% over the past 12 months, hitting the three, crossing the $300 mark today to hit a new all-time high. It's worth noting, Brian, that Netflix is the only FANG stock that's up this week. Back over to you. Great stock stat there, Julie Borson, and good luck with the weather. Never have to say that in LA, but good luck with the weather this weekend. All right, so as Julia noted, Netflix has been red hot, soaring more than 50% already again this year. And believe it or not, that's the best start to a year for Netflix since 2012. The stock is now worth more than General Electric. Can you believe that, guys? Wow. So Mike is at the plaza with the call to action on Netflix. Okay, so we're taking a look at using a call spread, and specifically we're taking a look at buying a call spread Typically speaking, this is a trade that you want to do when you think that a stock could move fairly sharply, and Netflix has certainly demonstrated that it can do that. The other thing I'm taking a look at here is what you just referenced, which is that the stock is trading near an all-time high. And as it does this, we're also seeing a name that, sure, it's worth more than General Electric, perhaps, and several other companies. It's a pretty hefty valuation. So why don't we take a quick look at the chart? We can obviously see that it's had a very sharp move here to the upside. This right here came, as it seems to so often, when people get a favorable surprise out of earnings. And that's one of the reasons why I am not inclined to actually fade the stock as I am doing on so many others right now. And the trade I was looking at, the April 290, 340 call spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, you could buy the 290 calls for $18.85, sell the 340s against it for $4. That's a net debit of just less than $15 on a spread that is $50 wide. And this is the kind of trade that you're going to be interested in doing if you're looking to continue to press a bullish bet when the market is looking a little wobbly here in a stock that has a very high valuation and finally has demonstrated they can move very sharply. All right, Dan, do you like Mike's trade? Well, if you're bullish on it, you do. I mean, the stock closed at an all-time high. I think it's really important to remember that the stock is up 27% since the intraday low on February 9th. And, you know, Mike just talked about this thing, or you just mentioned that it's got the same market cap as GE. It's a $130 billion market cap. You know what Disney's market cap is? $155 billion. This is a company that for years people thought, ah, maybe Disney was going to buy Netflix or anything like that. So at the end of the day, if you're playing this for the long side, there's something else going on other than maybe they're going to win a couple Oscars. You know, maybe it's gone from them being, you know, a target of, you know, an acquisition. This way, Netflix will buy some, well, that's Disney. what I'm saying. So I, I don't know. I, it makes yeah, sense I, to define I, your I, risk. We know it's steep. I mean, that's, that's, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. The question is this, that, you know, the precondition for really great weaknesses preceding weakness. McDonald's has been rolling over for weeks, and then it gets in real trouble. Um, in 1987, the stock market was down already 18 19% before it plunged. Um, to make a new high day after day in this kind of tape, I mean, that's not just random. They're real portfolio managers and real individuals who are saying, you know what? 
I'm going to hold this. And you could say they're being naive, but that relative strength is so impressive, I'm inclined to say let it, let it run. And this is right after we had a bit of a washout. So some weak hands did get flushed not that long ago. A little bit of that. That's right. Is there, on a different note, guys, a little bit related to Netflix, is there any concern of any of you, just jump in, if, if that the market is too concentrated in just a few couple stocks, Amazon, Netflix? Well, so the top five stocks right now are uh, the same value, about 3.7 as the bottom 250 in the S&P. Um, but that's not that rare a condition. Actually, if you look back at certain areas when big banks have been that way, big energy stocks, uh, we know the names, but they're all per performing. Amazon, yeah, Google. The largest companies, by definition, just because they are the largest companies, are going to have... Uh, no, I you know, know the way. I mean, I, I don't mean even a large portion I mean, of I, I mean, assets. I had, a, I had a trader, a hedge fund guy, tell me last year, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but he meant it, that if you think the market's going down, just short Netflix and Amazon and walk away. Because, they're, because they've taken the market up, and right, but short. you don't do it Am I making sense? nowhere. It's like picking a point in the air and saying this is the time. I mean, first, we were talking about the IWM. You know, the entire market cap of the IWM, all 2,000 stocks, it's only the same as the top six, seven stocks in the S&P, meaning ultimately equities are determined by the largest names. Let me ask you more directly. If, if, net, if Amazon rolled over, could the whole market... Sure. Could, and, the, and, could, so, the, could the Nasdaq go up if Amazon didn't? Well, of course. I mean, the Nasdaq went up for a couple of years when Apple was going sideways, and, you know, back in 2015 or something. I mean, here's the thing. The, but, you know, the further, high, the higher we go, the parabolic move in January, December into January, just couldn't be sustained. And the thing about the QQQ, the top five holdings make up 45%. It's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Alphabet, it's Facebook, uh, and it's Microsoft. So at the end of the day, all of those stocks are going to probably act pretty similar in a downdraft of the market. Okay. Up next, amid all the recent market turmoil, Apple has been soaring. The tech giant up more than 10% in the past month, and that is great news for Dan. We'll tell you why. Plus, got a question about this crazy stock moves? Send us a tweet to at Options Action. If it's a good one, we might just read it later on in the show. If you are watching Options Action live at the NASDAQ market side, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Let's time now to look back on one of our winning trades. Last month, Dan here thought Apple had found a floor and it worked out pretty well. Here's how he made money. On Options Action, it's how we trade like tech geniuses. Risk less so you can make more. And that's exactly what Dan did with his bullish bet on Apple. Dan thought Apple was about to make a comeback, but just buying the stock? 100 shares would put him back more than 16,000 bucks. So to make a different kind of bullish bet, Dan instead sold the March 150 strike put for a $1.60 credit. Now that $1.60 is the most Dan can make on the trade. But in order to keep all that money, Dan needs Apple shares to stay above that 150 strike by expiration. But it gets even better. That's because even if Apple shares trade below that 150 strike, Dan can still make money. In fact, he would see profits so long as Apple stays above that 150 strike, minus the credit from the trade, or above $148.40 by March expiration. Dan can do something not even the greatest Apple genius can do. Make money if Apple shares go up, down, or nowhere at all. Let's not get too excited, because there is a trade-off, and below that $148.40, Dan could run into big trouble. That's because by selling that put, Dan could be forced to buy Apple at $150, even if the stock goes all the way to zero. 
but nobody puts Apple in the corner. And since the time of the trade, the stock has rallied nearly 10%, making Dan's trade a winner. And now, options fans all over the world have been waiting in line to find out one thing. What will Dan do now? All right, Dan, you, you made us some money. What are you uh, going to so do? Let's talk core. about this trade really quickly. So the stock had gone down from 180 down to 160. So I was looking at the March expiration at 160 and saying, I think you could take in 1% by selling the 150 put over the next five or six weeks or so. It looked like a really good high probability bet. That put that was sold at 160 is now offered at a dime. I think you take that in. Um, but what do you do with the stock here? You know, like that's the sort of strategy. If you did that every couple months, think about that as a yield enhancement strategy to your long stock position, or when you're looking to dip your toe in the water and take in a little premium on a stock that you want to own, that makes sense. So that's why I like doing that strategy after the stock had already sold off, after the fundamental news was out about their earnings and that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it probably bounced a little harder than you anticipated. I mean, given how the market had performed there, this is really a good high probability type of bet that you can make. And as we pointed out at the time, you know, Apple, because it has so much cash on its balance sheet, these are the kinds of names where put rights can make a lot of sense, especially in the conditions we had. Volatility had moved sharply higher, premiums were elevated, and you basically have that balance sheet at the bottom basically supporting it. All right, guys, thank you. Up next, your tweets and the final calls. Time for one tweet. Mike, do you recommend selling covered calls on stocks with narrow ranges like Disney to hedge your position? Absolutely. I love selling covered calls as a trade generally, although not necessarily as a hedge, as a way to bring in a little bit of yield, and we have probably the best environment mm -hmm. for that that we've seen in a while. Final call, Carter. Sell Boeing. Sell Boeing. Mike. My put spreads are Boeing. Yeah, I like IWM March put spreads. All right, a couple calls on Boeing. IWM put spreads, guys. Thanks for making it easy. I'm Brian Sullivan. Appreciate that. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.